So grateful that all of you guys are here. This has been a phenomenal series that we've been in. We started this series on Easter, which, by the way, the biggest Easter we've ever had. Over 10,000 people came up for Easter. And get this, get ready to clap for this one. 1,200 people made a decision for Jesus. Come on. It's the number that really matters. We're so grateful for all of our dream team making that possible. But we started off that Sunday talking about reach for him, reach for Jesus. We want you to know God. Last week, we talked about reaching for relationships and how important that is to find freedom. That really is our small group strategy, and everybody should be in a small group. And then today, I want to talk to you about reaching for purpose. And don't miss next week when we talk about reaching out, meaning reaching out towards other people, making a difference because that really is the biggest need of every human being. We want to all make a difference. So grab your notes out, grab your pens. We're going to jump into Philippians chapter 3, written by a guy named Paul in the New Testament who actually hated Christians for a while. He hated them, and he actually would put them in prison for preaching Jesus. So this guy had a past. He didn't like God for a while, and then turned around. He had one encounter with Jesus. How many know sometimes that's all it takes is one encounter for your life to never be the same again. He had one encounter. He would go on to become the greatest missionary the world has ever known aside from Jesus himself. He writes one-third of our New Testament. And on our notes, look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He says, not that I've already obtained all this or that I've already obtained and arrived at my goal. How many would be honest to say, wave at me, I haven't reached my goal in life yet, right? Okay, so we're all there. We're not, none of us are there yet. But here's what he guarantees himself. He says, I press on. So that word press, by the way, is a big word. It's like a strain. I'm striving for. I'm doing everything on my power to press on to take hold of, underline the word that, that. We're going to come back to that. He says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Christ Jesus took hold of me. Somebody shout purpose. Do you have a restaurant that you love to go to that you tell everybody about? There's a lot. I love, I love restaurants. Any foodies in the house? Any foodies? Come on, wave at me. You're thinking about food right now, aren't you? How long is this sermon going to be so we can get to lunch? Come on, Sean, hurry it up. There's this restaurant in San Francisco called the House of Prime Rib. Oh, this is, this is an amazing place. It's some of the best prime rib you've ever tasted in your life. And I've been there four times, four times. We go there, and you're not going to get chicken. You're not getting hamburgers. There's no seafood there. Their menu's very simple. It is prime rib. Now, I've been there four times, and here's what they do. They give you the menu. They, they still have a menu, but they ask you what kind of cut you want. So they don't get the prime rib and, like, take it out to you or you're on a plate to your table. They bring this silver bullet. It's a warmer. They roll it right up to your table. They lift it up, and there's a big slab of meat just hanging out. And they asked you, sir, what kind of cut would you like? Would you like the king's cut? And I was like, well, I serve the king, so yes, I would like the king's cut. <laughs> they slice it off, and this thing just starts to fall over onto your plate. I'm sorry, vegans, but they falls over on your plate. And then a little cream spinach, a little mashed potatoes. And when you taste this prime rib, it is not from this earth, ladies and gentlemen. It is so amazing, and it's a big portion. You're so full. Well, the last time I went there... A waiter came over to me when I was finished and said, would you like your second slice for free? I said, excuse me, what'd you say? 
He said, if you finish your first slab, you get a second slice for free. I said, how come nobody ever told me about the, the last three times I've been here? Can we make that retroactive? Kind of get four slices out the door today. <laughs> you know, the negotiator in me came out. He said, no, but you can get a second slice for free. Now, I'm already full at this point. I could not eat another bite until I shook my leg, made some room for the food. Bring me this other slice you speak of. They brought me the other slice. I could barely eat it. I'm about the verge. I'm on the verge of vomiting. I don't care. I'm having a second slice for free. Can I hear a good amen? Where are my meditarians at? <laughs> Protein, somebody. There was more available the entire time. And I had no idea. I feel like that's how a lot of people are in life, that there's more available, but they just don't know it. And part of the calling of our church is to help people understand how to get more. And I don't mean more like more stuff. I'm talking about more, the more of God, that God has so much more than you think is possible, not even for this earth, but for heaven and for all of eternity. I was walking on the street a few years ago, and this girl had a shirt on. It said, more, more, more. And I thought to myself, out of all the shirts in the world, you bought that one. And it occurred to me, that's what all of us are asking. We all want more in life. But here's what we're asking. We're asking, is there more? Like, there's got to be more to what we're currently experiencing. Got to be more than just waking up, going to school, going to work, coming home, repeat, going to school, going to work, coming home, repeat every day. There's got to be more. And I would surmise to you that you're right. There is more. And a lot of things in life promise more, but there's actually the only one who can deliver more, and that's Jesus Christ. And in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says this. Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, I don't have to belabor the point that the devil's doing a pretty good job of stealing life and destroying purpose. Can I hear an amen? Like we are, I don't have to belabor that point. We see it all around our nation. We see it all around the globe. So Jesus says, that's what the devil came to do. Let me tell you what I came to do. I came to give you life. It's abundant life, one translation says. It's real life. It's eternal life. It's more. Somebody shout more. And it's a better life than they've ever dreamed of. So here's the problem. Nothing in the world can permanently satisfy and fulfillment does not come from more of something. It comes from more of someone, and that's God. So today I want to talk to you about purpose. And as we look at purpose, we're going to look at a few verses in Genesis chapter 12. A guy named Preston Morrison has some great thoughts on Genesis chapter 12. And we look at a guy named Abraham. Before his name was changed to Abraham, it was Abram. So don't get him mixed up. Same guy. The Lord said to Abram, or Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. Underline the word nation in your notes. I'm going to make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. This is not Instagram or YouTube famous. I'm going to make you famous. The world will know about you because you'll be the father of a nation. And I will bless you and you will be a blessing to others. If you back up one chapter, Genesis chapter 12 says, Terah took his son Abram. Who is Abram's dad? Come on, three of you. Terry, anybody paying attention? Should we start the sermon over? Are we good? Got to follow quick with this one. Terah is Abraham's dad, his grandson Lot. Anybody ever heard of that guy? His first name's Parking. Just kidding. His name, it's a bad joke. Come on, Sean. You're better than that. He's from Haran. Underline the word Haran. Haran. We're going to come back to that. His daughter-in-law, Sarai, the wife of his son, Abram. Okay, all together, they set out from Ur. Ur is their city. 
Okay, that's, where are you from? Ur. Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. Underline the word Canaan. This is the promised land. This is where God's taking them. But when they came to Haran, read the next three words out together. They settled there. They settled there. Interesting, a lot of people know Abraham because the Bible says that Abraham was the father of many nations. Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm. If you didn't grow up in church, you missed the whole thing. That was like the Christian hokey pokey. Put your right arm in. It's a, it was bad. But it was to teach us, like, Abraham's the father of the nation. God chose him. I'm going I'm to make a nation out of you. So we know Abraham, and then his son Isaac, and then his son Jacob. Many people don't know his dad, Terah. Terah comes on the scene. He was headed to Canaan, too. He was on his way to the promise, too. He was on his way to purpose, too. Stops in Haran, and he settles there. He stops in Haran. Now, what's crazy is that he settled in a place that was not the promised land. And my prayer for you today is that God would never let you settle. I'm praying that because of this church and because of God's word and his purpose, that you can find purpose and walk out your calling. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? Amen. Write this down, that everybody ends up somewhere. Few people end up somewhere on purpose. Everybody's going to end up somewhere in life, at the end of your life. Few people actually end up somewhere on purpose. Abraham ended up somewhere on purpose. Terah just ended up somewhere. And we all know people who have ended up somewhere without purpose based, based on the result of an unintentional lifestyle. So we're trying to teach you to live an intentional lifestyle. Go after it. Life is short. Let's actually go after life hard. And I'm going to compare and contrast two different words here, okay? Settlers and pioneers. Settlers, I don't mean like old school pioneers that, you know, came to America. I'm talking about in life, people who settle, and then those are they're the pioneers, the ones who keep going after the heart of God and the purpose of God, okay? So as we deal with these words, keep that as kind of the definition. Write this down, that settlers move, pioneers leave their past. Big difference. We have settlers who just move away, pioneers leave. Abraham left, Terah just moved, and Terah was headed to Canaan. Like he was headed to the promised land. He had his U-Haul pack, he was ready to go. And then he came to Haran, and he settles there. Problem was, he used to live in Haran. It was familiar to him. He had been there before. So he starts off going in the right direction. He's headed towards the promise, and then stops off in Haran, where he used to live, and he settles there. You know, there are a lot of people who are headed in the right purpose, but they're unwilling to leave their past. <laughs> Can I preach to you like I want to preach to you today? There's a lot of us. We all know what this feels like, by the way. I'm not excluded. We all know what it's like to have purpose in front of us. We know what we want to do. We, we think we have a clue of what God wants to take us, and yet their past is, has such a strong hold on us, we're unwilling to let that go. Instead of stepping into the plan and the purpose and the promise of God, they settled for what was familiar. If you're not careful, the devil will get you to go back to Haran. The devil would love to get you to go back to your past, back to what God brought you out of. And I'm just saying, look at Abraham as a better example. Abraham said, I'm not settling until I make it to the promised land. Settling is in Haran. That's what Terah did. Terah just moved 
away from his past, didn't leave his past, and anything you do not leave, you'll be tempted to move back into later. When God brings us out of our past, I'm encouraging all of us, let's not, let's not even look back. Ask Lot. Matter of fact, ask his wife. Remember that? For those of you that don't know, God told Lot and his wife, like, hey, leave Sodom and Gomorrah. Don't even look back. And she couldn't help it. There was something inside of her that pined for that old life in Sodom. And she looked back, and God turned her to a pillar of salt. A little salty. So when we come out of our past, hey, how about we just make a commitment? We're not going to go back. How about this? Let's not even look back. Why? Because what God has in front of you is so much greater than what's behind you. Come on. Write this down. Settlers hate to wait. Oh, we're so impatient. Settlers hate to wait. People who settle, they don't want to wait. They want to right now. It's crazy because we're all impatient to some degree. Tapping our feet at a microwave. Come on. It's 30 seconds. Tapping our feet. Seems like everybody has a cell phone these days. Everybody has a cell phone. Preschoolers have cell phones. I saw this preschooler in a sandbox have a cell phone. I'm like, who are you calling? He's leaving a sandbox to him, talking to somebody at the preschool. They're like, hey, hit me up later. We'll get a juice box or something. And then there's teenage girls at the mall that are freaking out because the, the download, the video they want to download in high definition is not downloading quick enough. It's taking five seconds. Oh, my goodness, it's taking so long. And they're freaking out like, hey, what's wrong with this phone? Well, if you haven't noticed, you're, you're getting a download from a satellite going around the globe and it's beaming down to your phone in the palm of your hand at the mall. Do you not understand we used to have phones with cords attached to walls? Come on, how many remember the 1900s? There was no Siri like, hey Siri, call Jennifer. No, it was like you dying on a rotisserie. Rotary, what is this, what are you making, chicken now? A, a, a rotary phone. Oh, it's horrible. And God forbid your friend had not, like nines in the numbers. That just takes so long. You would you'd do the nine and you'd force it to come back around. Do the nine, force it to come back around. It'd take forever. It took 10 minutes just to dial a number. And thank God that some, you knew some people's numbers because if you messed up, you had to start the whole process over again. Impatient. We're just impatient by nature. You ever taken kids on a drive before? I took my girls to Disneyland. You know what they said three minutes in. Are we there yet? We there yet? No, we're not there yet. You're nice at first. No, 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 we're not there yet. Three minutes later, they asked the same question. Are we there yet? Nope. <laughs> not yet, baby. Five minutes later. And this is where you lose it. This is where you lose it. You're like, I just, I just told you we're nowhere near Disneyland. And that's where you find out Kids aren't the only ones who are impatient. We all struggle with this, but let's say that we're on our way to Disneyland, and I stop off in Bakersfield. Anybody from Bakersfield? Awesome. I'm so sorry. <laughs> let's say we stop off in Bakersfield at a, at a rest stop, okay? We stop at a rest stop, and I say to the girls, girls, I know we're headed to Disneyland. Let's just stay here. It's amazing. They have vending machines for food. It's like an arcade. You put money in and candy comes out. They have these amazing metal prison toilets that are awesome. The truckers seem nice. Let's just stay here. Let's stay here at the rest stop. 
You don't need to go to Disneyland and take pictures with those characters. <laughs> Somebody told me that the trucker over here, he's a character. So let's just come on over here. He's quite a character. Let's take pictures with character Jim. How many know that would not be okay with my family? Where are we headed? Disneyland. What's the goal? Disneyland. We're headed to the land of Mickey Mouse and $20 churros. We're not stopping until we get there. We're going there, but watch this. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some time. Now, there's a lot of people who miss God's purpose because they don't trust God's process. A lot of us want the purpose of God to be fulfilled immediately, and God also has a time. He has a purpose. He has a time. He has a purpose and a time. We like the purpose. We don't like the time. And some people quit too early. They don't like to wait. And some people then, on the other flip side, they don't know. Let's say that here we go. We're on our way to Disneyland. We stop in Bakersfield. But my, my girls, let's say they've never heard of Disneyland. If I said we're going to stay in Bakersfield, they wouldn't even know what they're missing. They wouldn't know because they've never heard about it. Okay, how many people don't know the purpose of God for their life? How many people are living life but not really living? Tara stepped in, stopped in Haran instead of walking into the purpose and the promise of God. We know the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Look at me, everybody. Could it have been the God of Terah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? But he quit too early. He bailed. He settled for something less than the promise of God. Do you know that 87% of the body of Christ, they don't know what their purpose is? 87% of people who call themselves Christ followers, Christians, go to church, they don't even know what their purpose is. What if 87% of your body didn't work? 87% don't know? They don't know their purpose in life? And they're searching, searching for all kinds of things, searching for purpose in relationship after relationship after relationship after relationship. You're like, oh, another one. Oh, another, oh, oh, oh. Like even Facebook's getting tired of you changing your relationship status. <laughs> that was wrong. It's interesting because it's, you're like, what are you doing? You're just searching for purpose. Maybe you shouldn't be looking for the wrong relationships. So you're like, I'm just trying to give God as many chances as possible. <laughs> Maybe you don't need to give God more chances. Maybe you need to give it more time. By the way, just because they're a Christian doesn't make them a candidate. You? I'm telling you, let me try this out. Just because they're a Christian doesn't make them a candidate. <laughs> some, some guys, let me, girls, let me just help you. If a guy comes up to you and like, hey, 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 girl. My name is Will. God's will. Here's what you say. Here's what you say. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you out. Just tell him this. Tell him this. Say, you know what? It's very nice of you, but I really think God has something better for your life. That's good, right? Because you can deny them and prophesy into their life all at the same time. <laughs> Just don't say it today because they'll know. <clears throat> But a lot of times we're searching for relationship. We're searching for purpose. We're searching for meaning. We're like, maybe it's in money. Maybe it's in this job. Maybe it's in the amount of followers on Instagram. Maybe, 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 maybe. It's only found in God, everybody. You can go searching and fishing all you want to, but you're going to come up empty every single time until you put God first. I ought to hear a good amen today. I don't like to wait. Then you'll settle then you'll settle. You'll settle for something less 
than God's best for your life. I don't want you to settle. I want you to understand he has a process. Romans chapter five, Paul says, not only, not, not, not only so, but we can also glory in sufferings. Why? Because we don't glory in sufferings. Nobody's like, hey, I went through hell this week. Up top. <laughs> None of us could, no, we don't do that normally, but we can because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. Like there's a process, there's stages and seasons by which God is maturing you, getting you ready for something you can't handle right now. So embrace the process because so many people settle because they don't want to wait for God's timing. And watch this, anytime that you don't set, like you don't want to wait for God's timing, you begin to feel entitled. And anything you feel entitled to but don't receive on God's timetable, you'll try and steal it. You'll, You'll try and rush it. Waiting for a spouse and God hasn't given you one yet, if you're not careful, you'll begin to make some moves to steal that. Are you hearing me? Or maybe if I just open myself up to him, he would marry me, rushing it, thinking that if you give yourself away, by the way, 80% 80 or higher of people that have sex before marriage don't end up getting married. So don't think that by giving yourself away that you got him. Is that okay? I'm your pastor. I'm trying to help you out. Because there's a lot of people searching for purpose, and God has a purpose. God has a plan. But let's not rush it, and let's not jump ship too early because he wants to get you there safely to your destination. We ought to clap our hands and say a good amen. Turn to tell somebody he's preaching. He's preaching. Write this down. Settlers are always looking for an excuse to hang out a while where they shouldn't. Hey, let's just stay here. That's what what Tara said. Let's just stay here in Haran. Pioneers aren't satisfied until they reach the promise. Tara was on his way to the promise. He was on his way to the promised land to purpose, and he stopped in Haran. Now, I know there's a lot of people that believe in God, they love God, and yet they don't know purpose for their life. Tara stopped in Haran, believed in God probably, I mean, obviously because he was following Abraham, but yet he stopped there. And if you're there, by the way, if you're there, you believe in God, you love God, and yet you're unclear about his purpose for your life, you're not alone. And this is a great place to learn what that is because all of us know what that feels like. We want to help you on this journey. We want to be the church that helps you connect to purpose so you can feel God's calling on your life. But if you're there, chances are that you're starting to feel alone, starting to feel frustrated, because you're looking at everybody else, you're like, man, how come everybody else is growing like a stinking chia pet, and my life is still stuck over here? I can't even, I don't even know which direction I'm supposed to be headed. Listen, everybody, God wants you to know. He didn't want you to go through your entire life not knowing, but you can be depressed, you can be isolated, you can be alone, and people begin to ask you, like, hey, what's wrong? And you're not even sure how to articulate it anymore. You're like, I don't know. I just, I just feel stuck. Listen, everybody, you're not stuck. You just stop moving. God's purpose hasn't changed for your life. God's love hasn't changed for your life. God's plan hasn't changed for your life. Come on. God wants you to get to the place where you're not distracted by anything else, but you're connected to purpose so you can fulfill his calling. Come on, say a good amen. Amen. Write this down. Settlers intend to pioneer. They intend to. Pioneers refuse anything less. They, They refuse anything less. They know where they're going. Anybody can start something. It's harder to finish. Tara intended to go to Canaan. He stopped in Haran. Sometimes we hear a message. We get all pumped up and motivated. Hear a worship song. We get all pumped up and motivated. 
So go to a conference, get pumped up and motivated. And it didn't last long because we're wondering, why is it taking so long? I, don't, I didn't know it was going to take this long. Like, this is, this is ridiculous. And we forget that God is working things out in us to prepare us for what we can't handle right now. Terah goes back to what's comfortable, and he dies there while Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob go on to pursue purpose. Okay, look at me. I don't think God wants us to be so comfortable. I think you're at your best when you're uncomfortable. You know what you look like when you're comfortable? Asleep. I don't think God wants us so comfortable we're not stepping out to conquer anything. We're not stepping out to do anything. We're not stepping out to believe God for greater things. I, I actually believe you need an internship. I actually believe you need a Bible college. I actually believe, by the way, we're starting that. You can sign up in the lobby. Our next semester starts in August. I believe you need a small group. I believe you need a church. I believe you need a group of people who are going the same way as you who can say, listen, this is not going to be comfortable, but we're dedicating our life to help you get to where God wants you to be. I think you need that. I think I need that. We all need it. NFL players, anybody love football? Come on. Yell out your favorite team. One, two, three. All right, yell out your team if they made it to the Super Bowl. We didn't. None of our teams went. It's okay. It's okay. Some of you are like, I was off I'm offended. I was hearing you, Sean, until you said that. Now I can't listen. Okay, bring it back. Bring it back. NFL players are not comfortable on the field, are they? Wearing them tight little pants. All hot and sweaty, getting hit on every side. Boom, 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 boom. boom. That's not comfortable. But they have the high privilege of saying, I played in the NFL. Some people say, I get to play in a Super Bowl. Some people say, I got a ring because we won the Super Bowl. It's not comfortable. You know who's comfortable in football season? The guy sitting at home on the couch with a bowl of Doritos in his lap, with his legs up, watching other people live out their dream. How about we stop watching other people live their dreams and we begin to live our own? Come on, can I hear a good amen, everybody? And maybe your dream is to help other people live out their dream, but not watching on the sideline, not participating. God wants us to be uncomfortable. I believe purpose is found in the uncomfortable. So we pray God disturb us. Make us uncomfortable. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all that, this... I, I, I haven't got there already. I've not obtained my goal, but I press on to take hold of that. Somebody say that. Yeah. Come on, say that. Yeah. Everybody look at that. <laughs> Have you seen that? <laughs> That's crazy. Can you guys see that in the back? Don't be scared of that. Come here, just look. Can you hold that? Come on, lift that up. Yeah, wave that around. Look at that. Let's clap our hands for that. Can I get that back? I'm going to take that. Don't worry, there's, that, there's more where that came from. That is amazing. That is my jam. That'll change your life. A lot of people want that, but ladies and gentlemen, they settle for this. This isn't good. Have you seen this? This is distracting. This felt like a good idea at first. This seemed like it would deliver the ultimate satisfaction at first. Now this has left me confused. This has left me empty. Now we're, now we're turning around saying, get, get a load of this. Can't believe this. How many can say this has been a problem in your life? Anybody say this has been a distraction in your life? 
And a lot of people want that, but they settle for this. And they're asking the question now, there's got to be more to life than this. And I'm telling you, yes, there is more to life than this. And it's found in that. Paul said, I am striving, I am straining, doing everything I possibly can to reach that for which Christ Jesus has reached me. Come on, somebody shout that. What is that? It's purpose, it's destiny, it's calling. Paul's that looks different than your that, and my that looks different than your that. But I'm just telling you, if you, when you come to God, you can be all that. Yeah. What is that? It's purpose. Don't settle for this. What, what, what are we thinking? Settling for Haran when God has a promised land. There's purpose. There's meaning. There's so much more. Somebody say more. And this is not just so we can have a good life down here on earth. It's heading to heaven, but God gives you an abundant life down here to fulfill his calling and purpose. Because a lot of people live with regret. Oh, it's a horrible feeling, isn't it? How many regret that you didn't buy a little stock called Amazon a few years ago? <coughs> Excuse me. I think for all of us, we know what regret feels like. And today, I believe God doesn't want that to be your testimony any longer. Here's what regret is. I meant to do that, but I did this instead. Some people are cool with doing this. I'm just saying, I don't want to be down with this anymore. This or that. This or that. No, don't. Somebody like, what song is that? I don't know. I'm a pastor. I've never heard any secular songs. <laughs> it's from the 90s. This or that. This or that. Come on, say it with me. This or that. This or that. This or that. You have a choice. What do you want? This or that? I don't know about you, but I want, I want that. I want that bad. I want purpose. I want meaning. I don't want to live a life of regret. And here's what happens. What would happen if we turned all of our, our I meant to's into I must do's? A lot, that's how we get to this. It's like, well, I meant to do that, but I just did this instead. What if we said, I'm not going to ma- mean to do anything. I'm not going to intend to do anything. I'm going to must, I must, I must do this. I must. Elbow somebody and say, is it getting a little musty in here or is that just me? I must, I must, I must. Come on. What if we had a generation that rose up and says, I must follow God. I'm going to change all of my I meant to's to I must do's. I'm not going to rely on anything else from my past. I'm going to say, I must follow God. You know what the enemy of I must is? I might. I might go to church. I might do the internship or college. I might, I might, I might. I might invite somebody to church. I might join a small group. I might go through growth track. I might get on the dream team. I might, I might, I might. I want to help you turn all of your I mights and I meant tos into I must follow God. I must fulfill purpose. I must fulfill destiny. Come on, put your hands together and say a good amen. Write this down, pioneers. They never make it to the promised land without having to say no to some things. Can't take everything with you, everybody. You're going to have to say no to some stuff. Can't say yes to everything. And this causes us to put up healthy boundaries. You put up healthy boundaries. If you're just intending to have healthy boundaries, here's what happens. We move them. We set up a boundary, and if we're just intending to keep it, we move it. Like if you're just intending to stay pure before you get married, good luck with that. 
But if there's an I must inside of you, that boundary doesn't move. Now, it's not about boundaries and legalistic fences and all this stuff. I, I drove by a church one time and it had, it had a big banner that says, thou shalt not. And I was like, oh, that's great advertising for the church. Got to just change the banner to say, no, <laughs> can't do nothing. That's not what Christianity is about. It's not about what we can't do. It's about Jesus Christ freed us so that we now can live for him. We now can have true peace, true joy, and we can remember last night. Like God fulfills you. He doesn't numb the pain of the hour like a bottle does. He fulfills you on the inside for all of eternity. And you intend, when you intend to just stay pure or just intend to follow God, man, we move those boundaries so much. Don't get mad at the boundary. It's a healthy boundary. It's not a legalistic thing. Like, have you ever been up to Lake Tahoe? There's a road that goes up to Lake Tahoe, and on the one side is a cliff, and the other side is a mountain. And on the side with the cliff, there's a guardrail, a metal guardrail. It's not pretty. It's a guardrail. I've never seen anybody outside of their car kicking the guardrail like, stupid guardrail, just trying to confine me. I don't want to drive inside the lines. Yeah, well, what's the other option, right? When you look at some of these boundaries, don't view them as, oh, God's just trying to take the fun out of life. Oh, we can't do nothing in Christianity. It's not true. There's some healthy boundaries, but it's going to save you a lot of pain, a lot of regret. Come on, is there anybody that can testify? God wants to help you with some healthy boundaries. Can I tell you what God, when he puts some healthy boundaries up in the Bible, we don't even know they're there until we get in the Bible. Okay, listen, Christians, at some point, you're going to have to read the Bible. I don't know where to start. Where do I start? Where do I start? Okay, here's a great place to start. You ready for this? On the inside. <laughs> Go to the One Year Bible app, download that, and read 15 minutes a day. 15 minutes a day can save you on your car insurance. It can also save you a lot of bad decisions if you spend 15 minutes a day reading the Bible, everybody. Get it inside of you. Know God's word because too many people settle, they quit, and they never fulfill God's purpose because they lose vision of that. They lose vision of that. We need that to be in front of our life. And so much of our life is wasted on this when we could be fulfilling that. Haran made sense to Terah because he lived there before. Okay, listen. Again, anything you don't really leave, you'll be tempted to go back to later. Like if you don't really cut that relationship off on a lonely Friday night watching Netflix by yourself, there's something inside of you that moves the boundary and says, I, I, I said I'd never call again, but hey, what are you doing? We move boundaries if there's not an I must inside of us. Healthy boundaries. Somebody say healthy boundaries. Haran made sense to him. God is more dedicated to your success than you think he is. He has a purpose and a plan all laid out. And the devil comes and tries to whisper, hey, 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 listen, I know that you think you're going to this church thing. I know you kind of like it. I know you're checking it out. But life would be so much better for you if you just went back to your past. It would be so much better for you if you just went back to the old life. Remember the old life? Remember the good days? And the devil would love to remind you of some good days. Can I remind you that the devil doesn't remind you of the hard times and the tears of desperation? We cried on the edge of our bed and in a highway for traffic saying, God, if you're real, please show me some purpose because I'm at the end of myself. Come on. 
Don't just romanticize our past. Remember the pain. Remember the sin. Remember that, what God has freed us from. Let's commit to not ever going back. We want to fulfill purpose. And don't settle in Haran and try to decorate it like Canaan either. Don't settle for where you know this is not God's plan and just try to act like it's his purpose. God has a very clear purpose. He's a very clear plan. And when we settle, we start losing vision. Without vision, people perish, Proverbs 29, 18 says. We need to keep that in front of us. In Genesis chapter 12, Abraham became a nation. A nation was waiting on Abraham to find his purpose. Okay, look at me, look at me. A nation's waiting on you too to find your purpose. A school is waiting for you to find your purpose. The Bay Area is waiting for us to find our purpose. Cities and states and countries are waiting for the church to find their purpose. And I know what this is like. A lot of us are like, man, I want to I get in my purpose like tomorrow. I want to be there tomorrow. I do too. But if we get to the promised land too early, not on God's timetable, what's in the promised land is bigger than us and it will kill us. But if we get there on God's timetable, God will hand it over to us as an inheritance. God has a purpose. He has a timing. Write this down. Four things. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. And guard your calling. God's calling you. He calls you. He calls you his own. He, you don't call somebody you don't want. You're like, I don't even know he, I didn't know he was calling. Maybe your phone's been on silent. But you look back and you realize he has been calling. He has been setting you up. There's been little conversations, little things that have happened. He's been calling. As a matter of fact, there's 1,189 voicemails that he's left for you. 1,189 chapters of the Bible that he's waiting for you just to answer, just answer, just answer, pick up, pick up, pick up. Anybody know anybody who has a phone, but they don't ever answer? Don't point, don't point. Just say their name out loud. <laughs> that was wrong. Don't do that. Somebody in my family, <clears throat> her name's <coughs> Diana, and she, you know, I'm not sure why this person has a phone because it's like, hey, do, hello, hello, are you there? You start talking to the voicemail like it's an old school answer machine. Are you there? You know, a lot of times we fail to realize God has been calling you for a while now. And today what we're gonna do is we're gonna turn our heart back on. We're gonna turn our spirit back on and say, God, we want to receive any message you're trying to send us. Paul says in this, Ephesians 4.1, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Like if we think about our life, I don't know that all of us are living worthy of that calling. I know I'm not living totally worthy of that calling, but I want to more than anything. And I want to do this together. Like let's live worthy of the calling of God. The next verse, he says this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. This is the very next verse of our theme verse. I press toward the goal uh, to win the prize for which God has called me. He's called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There's a calling, there's a purpose, and I want to tell you to guard it. Number two, refuse to get distracted. Oh, this is a tough one because some of us are distracted already. I'm distracted about writing distracted down. We get so easily distracted. We're going one way and all of a sudden, whoa, we get all, start fogging out. This is not the time to get spiritual ADD. My mom always used to say, Sean, you need to go get tested. I think you have ADD. I'm like, I don't, what, 
What are you saying? Because I would be in church, and I can listen to the sermon, but I also know how many lights are in the building. I know how many ceiling tiles. And she's looking at me like, Sean, just pay attention. I'm like, I am. Some things are trying to vibe for your attention to steal the purpose and attention off of the calling of God. Hebrews 12 says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin, every distraction, throw it off so that it, it doesn't easily entangle us and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked before us. Okay, listen, a lot of us don't know this, but there's a race you're in. You're in a race and there's some things tripping you up. You need to let go of that distraction so you can run with ease. Number three, don't settle. Don't settle. Don't settle for just kind of going through life. Breathing air, there's a purpose for you. I'm not sure what my purpose is. I want to help you find it. Ephesians 2.10 says this. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared. Say this word out loud, everybody, if you, if you read it. In advance for us to do. You know what that word in advance means? Watch this. It means before. Some of you are like, wow, that's really deep, Sean. <laughs> it means that God had purpose for you first before you were even born. Your parents might not have planned you, but God has a plan for you. There's never been a moment where God up in heaven was talking to the angels like, hey, Gabriel, come here. You got to find something for him to do. He was oopsie baby. <laughs> no, there's purpose first. You're not an accident. God knew you in your mother's womb, Psalm 139 says. He, know, he knit you together. This is not like just happenstance. You're not an accident. You're not a Mr. Potato Head. Where he's like, hey, give me some more pieces over here. Just slap it on. I'm not sure what to put in this guy. He made you intentionally. And this flies in the face of everything that we're being told in our, in our world right now. Like, hey, there's no purpose. You come from a monkey. There's no, there's no other intentionality in it. So there's no purpose. There's no reason to live intentionally. I'm just telling you that's not true. God breathed life into you. He created you on purpose, for a purpose, and I want you to connect to that purpose. And that's why we even tell people don't have an abortion because that baby has purpose. Even in the womb, it's not tissue, it's a baby. God knows from your mother's womb what you are called to do. You have an assignment, you have a purpose, there's a meeting, and I want to help you find it. It's not that hard. If God created you, you're his handiwork. If, if Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 is true, watch this. If that's true, he created you. If you want to know what you're supposed to be doing, just look at you, because design will reveal your destiny. He said, what does that mean? Well, what are you good at? God put that there. What are you like? God put that there. What is it that when you do it, it energizes you and you come alive. For some people, you come in today and you saw the lonely person sit by themselves. You sat by them because you have the gift of mercy. And you're like, hey, you know, can I sit by you? What's your name? And Other people, you walked in, you didn't even see the person sit by themselves. You walked in, you're like, hey, if they put these chairs a little straighter here, we can fit a few more people in here. <laughs> it's not wrong. It's just different. Who put that there? God did. And we need it all. We need everybody functioning at the highest level of purpose possible because the history has been 87% of us don't know what the heck we're doing on the earth. And what would happen if that 87% rose up and decided, I'm going to follow God 
and I'm going to walk in purpose. Amen, everybody. So your gifts, your likes, your dislikes, when you do what you're called to do, it doesn't burn you out. It energizes you. I'm a leader communicator. I can do this all day, every day. I train churches, train pastors, teach here, raise up leaders. That's what I'm, that's what I'm called to do. So when I do it, I get physically tired, but it energizes me on the inside. Ask the keyboard player. This is Israel. Israel, you ever get tired of playing keys and leading worship? His answer is no. But if I said, hey, um, I want you to volunteer in the nursery over here. He'd be like, hey, do you got some duct tape and NyQuil? Because I'm not, I don't think I'm good at that. It's not my passion. But there are some people, thank God. Come on, let's clap our hands for everybody in the kids team over there. Loving kids to Jesus. So what is it? And I'm talking about what you're passionate about and you're good at. Not like, I think I can sing. And you can't. Like the people on American Idol. They sing. They're like, hey, you're the worst thing I've ever heard. One mama says I can sing. Well, your mama doesn't love you. (laughs) What What do you love to do? Could that be the purpose that you begin to say, how can I use this now to make an eternal difference? Not just to serve me, but to serve people. Pastor Chris Hodges is our pastor. And he, he's a bird watcher, which I don't get. He says there's this one bird. It has a weird flight pattern. He goes up and down, up and down. Like the whole time. It doesn't just fly. Just, it's like. That's how it flies everywhere. And you look at that and you're like, man, that looks like a lot of work. That's how a lot of Christians look in life. Up, down, up, down, up. I love eagles. Eagles are incredible. You ever seen an eagle up close? I was at a lake one time with my kids. We were in a boat. This eagle came down, snatched a fish out of the water, slow motion. I was like, what? I felt so patriotic. I was, my country, tears of thee. Sweet. It was majestic. At a moment. Eagles don't flap their wings. They sit, on, they sit perched on top of the mountain waiting for the thermal current to hit. And when it does, they don't flap. They don't flap. It's just one flap. Mm. They're not. It's just one flap. Mm. One flap. Okay, listen, today I bless you in the mighty name of Jesus to live your life flying without flapping, connected to purpose so you can fulfill God's calling on your life. And we want to help you. What do we do at this church? We do four things. We want you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. How do we do those? We want you to do Sundays. Sundays is where we introduce people to God. And then don't stop there. We want you to get in a small group. Reach for relationship. Last Sunday, we talked about it. Get in a small group. You can go to our website and check those out. Then go through the growth track. And that's four classes. I'll tell you about it in just a second. Then get on the dream team. That's, way, that's where we can make a difference for eternity. Write this last point down. Attend the growth track. The growth track is four classes, four Sundays. Give me four weeks to help you discover your purpose. Four weeks. Take the challenge. 
will help you discover your purpose. It's not hard. It's not because we're smart. It's because God's word just works. The first step starts on the first Sunday. Second step starts on the second Sunday. Third step starts on the third Sunday. Fourth step starts on the fourth Sunday. It's very easy to remember. It happens every single month. You can do them out of order. So you can step in. You can start in step one, two, or three. You can't start in step four, but you can step start in any of these other steps and do them out of order if you need to. It's okay. But we want to help you connect to your purpose because if 87% of the body of Christ don't know, listen, I can't pastor that way knowing that. I have to help you. I'm compelled with my gift to help you find your gift. I want to see you successful walking in purpose, walking in passion, fulfilling your calling. Amen, everybody. Come on, if you believe that, let's clap our hands and say a good amen. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed all over the room, maybe you're here today and you say, Sean, my life isn't right with God, but I need it to be. I want to lead you in a commitment prayer that you could pray right in your seat. I'm not going to have you stand right now. I'm not going to have you come to the front. Our heart's not to embarrass you. It's to connect you to Jesus. If you say, I need a fresh start or I need to give my life to Jesus, on the count of three, just throw your hand up. Whether you're here, watching online, God sees us. Come on. One, two, three, lift it up. This is me. Yes, 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 yes. Keep them up. Yes, 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 Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Forgive me from my sin. Wash me clean. I'm all yours. Thank you for dying for me and being raised for me. Raise me to a new life in you. Be my Lord and Savior from this day forward. Just put your hand on your heart for a second. Just say, God, help me walk in my purpose. Take all of my gifts Use them to reach others with your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's clap our hands for everybody who prayed that prayer today. Great job.